We want to welcome Mr. Jack Honeycutt. I don't think he needs a formal introduction. He's a very familiar face here at Highland Heights. Been here several times and spoke with us. Currently uh, the preacher at Willett Church of Christ in Red Bull in Springs, Tennessee, and still uh, involved somewhat in the Indian mission work and has been for many years. So we're glad to have you here tonight. It is truly my pleasure to be back here at Highland Heights. I've been coming here for several years and you keep on inviting me back. Someone said that, uh, we know if I had, uh, if I'd put them to sleep, and I said, yeah, I even provide pillows over at Willette because uh, I, I have the ability to put them all to sleep, so we just go ahead and provide uh, pillows, but uh, you're not gonna go to sleep tonight. I'm not gonna let you. I was at a place not too long ago and been there many years and I, I got up and I said something to the effect, you know, when I first started coming here, uh, everyone's hair was either black or brown, but now it's gray. And this fellow got up after I got through and he said, some of us have turned black, some of them have turned gray, but it's not turned loose yet. So mine has turned loose. What a pleasure it is. Aren't you glad you're a New Testament Christian? Man, I am so excited about being a Christian. I mean that, I really do. Especially when I think about this chaotic world in which we live in. Isn't everything just in chaos? And you know, by the way, that's what the Bible warns us about anyway. Paul said that evil men shall wax worse and worse. It's not the signs of the time. It's not an indication that we're living in the last day. We've been living in the last days ever since Acts 2. According to Acts 2.17, a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel that says that in the last days, God would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. I want you to think with me about this chaotic world. I don't know if things change in the next 40 years like they have in the last 40 years of my life. I don't know what our children and our grandchildren will have to go through. But even in the midst of a chaotic world, do you, do you think things were pretty chaotic in the days of Noah? Where the Bible says in Genesis 6, 6, and the thoughts of men's heart, verse 5, the thoughts of men's heart were evil continually? Y yeah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, verse 8. Thus... You make me an ark out of gopher wood, verse 14. Thus Noah did all that God commanded him. In the midst of a chaos, Noah served the Lord. Brethren, just because the world is in a chaotic mess does not excuse our individual responsibility to please the Lord. As a matter of fact, God needs us. We are to be the light of the world. We are to be the salt of the earth, even in a mist of chaos. When Brother Gates, uh, he said, uh, we're going to give you this topic, my wife said, you're going to like that topic. I like talking about the Bible, the Word of God, because, my friends, that's the answer to everything in this world. 
That is the answer to both individuals and that is the answer to the world's problems, the Word of God. And if we've ever needed a call to return to the Word of God, we need it and we need clarity. What I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to show why it is so important to go back to the Bible to show in a, a few slides why the Bible is unique and unusual. The, the Word of God's being attacked for years and years. And you know it, and I know it. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. His testimony is sure. In James 1, 21, Let us lay aside all superfluity, naughtiness of mind, or filthiness of mind, one translation says, and let us receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to do what? Save our soul. Now, brethren, we don't worship the Bible. Okay? This is the Holy Bible, but we don't worship it. We worship our God. This is only the information whereby we can know of the holiness of God. God has provided this information for us. Then he goes on to say in verse 22, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. In Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Well, we could use many, many, many that you would know that I'm not even thinking of right now about the importance of God's eternal word. Charles Ingersoll said on one occasion that the validity and the inspiration of the Scripture, and I'm quoting now, of the Bible depends upon the ignorance of the man who reads it. I am convinced, and I'm not the judge of a man's soul, but I am convinced if he didn't change his mind, tonight he's got to change a mind. He'd like to go back and retract that statement. The Bible is right it will always be right. And what we need to do when we go back into our pulpits, I guess they tell me I'm an old-fashioned preacher. I don't know exactly what that means. I think what they mean, I'm old and I'm a preacher, but I'm an old school. I'm old school in the fact that, brethren, we've got to go back into our pulpits, we've got to go back into our classrooms, and we've got to go back into our homes, and we've got to teach the Word of God just like it's written. Because John 12, 48 says, The words that I speak unto you, the same should judge you in the last days. I listen to YouTube in my church office almost every day. I've got a thumb drive from PTP, and I have listened to uh, many of them. Just got it on Sunday. Listened to my wife's on a church retreat with the ladies up in Gatlinburg. So I've been a bachelor, and uh, she called me the other day, and, and I had this thing wide open, the TV wide She said, who's there? I said, no one's here. I'm listening to some sermons. She said, put your hearing aids on. Listen. I hear sermon after sermon after sermon, and sometimes, brethren, what I hear coming from our pulpits is a lack of knowledge when it comes to a thus saith the Lord. If we're going to change this world, we're going to have to get men to go back to the Bible. We're going to have to challenge people to go back to the Bible. In John chapter 8, 
In verse 31, I've got it highlighted for you. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know. The word know there comes from the Greek word gnosko. And literally means to obtain. To obtain knowledge. To obtain information. You shall know. Not you might know. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. One of my favorite lessons and sermons that I preach is found in 1 John 1, verse 7, where it says, If you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. I preach this quite often in gospel meetings. Brethren, we in the Lord's church are going to have to do a better job in understanding that our faith is predicated upon not our performance, not necessarily upon our works. And I've got to be careful how I say that because every time I say that, there'll be somebody say, are you saying it's not important what we do? In our, oh, no, no, I'm not saying that at all. If we walk in the light as he is in light, John 8, 12, Jesus is light, so therefore we're going to live like Jesus lived. We have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. You know what's interesting about that is sometimes I'll ask a member of the church, are you a Christian? Well, I hope. If I'm lucky, a fellow told me the other day, he said, boy, Ann, I'm just hoping I can get that basement down there and the, that big mansion that the Lord's got for me. You won't get a, if you get to heaven, you're not going to get in a basement. You're going to get in a mansion, my friends. You're Christian. You're God's people. And as God's people, we understand the value of the Word of God. Now, what I want to do tonight, I want to look at some issues that you've been talking about. The reason the world is in chaos is because of the things, some of the subjects that you've been dealing with this week. Gender identity. I just read the other day in one of the public schools that they had to bring a litter box into the public schools because this child now says that she, I don't remember a boy or girl, now a cat. We've got five-year-old kids don't even know whether they're a male or a female. We don't, a little boy, don't, he hadn't figured out whether he's a boy or not. And when children ought to be playing with dolls, girls, and boys ought to be shooting guns like I did, and a little boy playing toy guns and, and fire trucks and G.I. Joe, you know what we're doing with them? Parents are allowing their children, trying to... Uh, convince their children that it doesn't really matter. And when you get old enough, you can choose your gender. I went to the health department not too long ago. I'm getting ready to go to India. My 40th trip, my last trip, Lord willing, on October the 30th. And I had to fill out some information. And they said, are you a male, female, or other? She got about a 10-minute sermon. She started laughing. She said, I agree just like you do. She said, this is the state. And when you've got the state and the government involved, they don't even know what gender is. And you just keep on going. Look at all of those subjects that our children are being bombarded with. It is sad. School violence. When I was in a junior in high school, we used to have shotguns and 22s in the back of our truck. And after school, a bunch of us boys go out over and go squirrel hunting, and I don't ever remember a school shooting when I was in school. You know why? It goes back to the home. 
goes back to the family. Brethren, in the church, we've got to teach our children how important it is. You'd be surprised at how many members of the church. I held a gospel meeting in West Virginia not too long ago, and there was a couple there that was trying to tell me uh, that they thought in the church that we need to be more tolerant. I believe we need to be more tolerant of our weak brethren. I believe we need to encourage our weak brethren. Don't just stomp on them. Don't tell them how bad they are. Encourage them and help them. But they said we need to be more tolerant. And said we don't need to be preaching against homosexuality and, and uh, lesbianism and all of that. And they said they used the term coexist. We just could coexist. That's up to God whether they're going to be uh, eternally saved. I agree with that. That's God's a judge. That's way above my pay scale. And I'm not going to uh, be a part of that. I preached a funeral the other day. I preached two funerals recently, and one of them was a uh, 51, 51 year old man that his wife killed him, committed murder. And uh, she was still on at large, as far as I know. I did one last week where a young man, 31 years old, he OD'd. As a little boy came to church at Will Ed, I was his preacher when he was a little boy. He just spent five years in prison. He got out of prison two weeks ago, and he died in jail, in our local jail. Coexist? Be tolerant of sin? And when you think about this, that's the mentality that the world has developed. They think we're a bunch of radicals. They, they, they think that we are absolutely fanatics and that we're self-righteous and ungodly and the fact that we're hypocrites because we always look down on other people. Brethren, I don't know of a Christian that I'm associated with that feels that way. I don't know anybody that's looking down and thinks they're <clears throat> better than anybody else. I sure don't. When you start in this world of chaos and you start calling people to have a back to the Bible and having this clarity, what I call a, a, a understanding of the simple Word of God, people are going to think that you are judgmental and harsh and mean. And by the way, I've met some brethren that's been harsh and judgmental. I've been on Bible studies before that I wouldn't go back with them. I'm going to tell you something. We've got to be careful how we deal with souls. We've got to try to help people to know God and to have a deeper understanding and appreciation for the Word of God. Now, my first point is this. I want you to notice that the truth of God absolutely exists. Truth is not relative. It's not uh, self-sufficient. It's complete. It's free of imperfection. The Word of God is absolute. Now, that's important for a Christian because I'm going to show you what a recent survey revealed, according to George Barna survey, about how people view the Bible. Some people believe that the Bible changes from generation to generation. It doesn't matter what country you're in. The Bible is objective and not subjective. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. There was a, a recent survey done 
And it says that uh, 64% of the people that were surveyed, that truth is always relative to the person in their situation. In other words, now this is what's interesting. There was a survey done two years ago, and they asked, they surveyed 10,000 Americans, and they found out that 68% of Americans claim to be Christian or claim to be religious, 68%. But yet 64% believes that truth is relative to the person and to their situation. You know what that means? That means situation ethics. If you're put in a situation, then you have the instinct, uh, power, you have the authority within yourself to determine what's right or wrong. That's how we got where we're at today. That's the problem. You've got 68% that claims to be religious, claims to be Christian, but you've got 64% that says there is no absolute truth. Now, notice 22% believes that there are more absolutes that are unchanging. That would be you. That would be me. Doesn't matter if your children are involved in it or our grandchildren are not involved in it. The Bible's right. The Bible's always going to be right. It doesn't change. 22% and 14% said, I've never really thought about it. So here we are. We are living in a chaotic world because 68% that claims to be right with God claims to be Christian and 64% of them says uh, that they do not believe in absolute eternal truth. They believe in situation ethics. That's humanism going to see. That's what that is. That God or whoever, there's a higher being that put within us the ability to decide what's right and wrong, and it doesn't matter what the Bible says, I have the ability to do that. Well, I believe there's a, I know there's a scripture, Proverbs 28, 26 says, For a man to trust in his own heart is a fool, but he that walketh wisely shall be delivered. There's a way that seemeth right in a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, Proverbs 16, 25. Jeremiah 9, verse 23, or 10, 23 says, O Lord, we know it's not within man to direct his own steps. So is there absolute truth? Also, there was a survey on moral decision-making. 31% said you do what feels right. If, it's, if it feels okay to you to go over and touch a, 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 another, for me to go touch a child, that'd be okay because it feels right to me. Somebody said, well, I don't know about that. Why not? feels right. Doesn't violate, it wouldn't violate my conscience. If it doesn't bother me, it shouldn't bother you. We've got to be tolerant. Then 15%, well, I'm going to make my decisions just based on what my parents taught. And then 13% says biblical principles. 10% says whatever the best personal outcome might be. 31% said I'm going to use, we're going to use some other method. I don't know what other method that would be. But the point of it is, you can look at the statistics. This was in America, the good old USA, the good country that we live in, still the best country in the world. But we are in a chaos because we have lost our identity when it comes to our understanding of absolute truth and the Word of God. Number two, truth is absolutely revealed by God. I want you to go with me tonight. Jude 3, I mean, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 3, 3 through 5. Let's read together Ephesians 3, 3 through 5. And what we're going to do, we're going to notice that truth is truth, not because I believe it, not because, as a fellow told me the other day, 
I, I'm on the administration or what they call admins of a couple or two or three websites and Facebook uh, groups and when questions are turned in, I'm supposed to be one of the guys, there's two of us, and I'm the one that's supposed to answer them. And you wouldn't believe some of the things, some of the questions that I, that I get. And I'll, I'll share you a little bit more about that in a minute. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. In Ephesians chapter 3, the mystery that was hidden from those prophets have now been made known. As I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, when you read, do you know the problem in America today? Folks will not read. They will listen to every... I'm teaching the book of Revelation on Sunday morning. I've taught the book of Revelation about 10 times in 40 years of preaching. I taught it at one place where I was located in, at the Zion Church. And uh, about the third Sunday that I was there, there was one of our members came up to me and said, Hey, I bought you some videos. It was Jack Van Imp of Revelation. Jack Van Imp is a premillennialist. He doesn't understand the book of Revelation, the intent of it. And here we are, we're listening to that kind of stuff. We're buying into that kind of... Listen to what Paul said. That you may know whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Talking about the aforetime, things in the Old Testament. As it is now revealed unto us, the holy apostles and the prophets, by the Spirit. You see, my friends, what you have is this truth that's being made known, and it's made known by God. The Bible is not just a, book, a bunch of books put together by a man. The, book, the Word of God has been revealed to us by God Almighty. That's the reason Jude 3 says, Contend earnestly for the faith that was once and for all delivered unto the saints. Once and for all delivered. Truth is absolutely revealed by God. Some of these uh, websites that I'm supposed to get on there and answer, they'll send them to me and I'm supposed to answer them. And one of them just, I believe it was last Friday, said, can you prove that the Bible is from God? And so I'm spending about 30 minutes in the church office and I'm writing this letter to him in reply and gave him some scriptures. And he said, no, I'm wanting something other than the Bible. You're wanting something other than the Bible. Friends, like I explained to him, did you know that truth that is absolutely revealed by God reveals your origin? You know where you came from? You wouldn't have a clue where you came from if you didn't have the Bible. The Bible tells us of the origin. The Bible tells us what we're doing here. That, as Paul said, whether I eat or I drink, I do all the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And the Bible tells us where we're going. Those three things, those three questions that man needs to know and have been asking, where did we come from? What are we doing here? Where are we going? God's revealed that. Number two, uh, three, notice revealed in Jesus Christ. You know, there are a lot of people that don't understand about the Christ, about the Messiah, the Son of God, part of the Godhead, the second person of the Godhead, God the, God the Father, God the Son, that second member of the Godhead who became the Son of God when He came to this earth to die for humanity. And John 1, I, I just uh, I had to deal with this yesterday. A fellow said that Jesus was created like everybody else. 
Jesus was not in because I'd preached at Willette and they were from Arizona and they said they were listening to it and said the pre-incarnate state said that, that, that that's not true the pre-existent Christ I said well John 1 1 says he is the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and in the same was the beginning with God. And all things that were created were created by Him. And not anything that was created was not created by Him. Everything was created by Jesus. In John 1, 14, He's God. In verse 14, He is made flesh. And He dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. So friends, Jesus existed before he came to this earth. Philippians 2, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he took on himself the form of servant, became obedient to death, yea, even the death of the cross. He fashioned himself as a man. He humbled himself, revealed in Jesus. You want to know how God, how God would view sin? You want to know how God, how God would react to somebody that's angry and upset at him? Look at the life of Jesus. John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is. And that scripture that we all know in John 14, verse 6, when Jesus said, I am thee, thee. Look at the definite article, thee. I am not a way, not some way, not many ways. If you want to go to heaven, you're going to have to come through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man can come to the Father but by me. I may have told you this story, but I had been speaking in, on Islam, doing some Islam seminars. In various places through the last 10 years and uh, just so happened I'm on an airplane and I'm right between two fellows that are Muslims and uh, we've got a 14-hour flight and so they're speaking English real well they're very nice I'm very nice to them and we were talking and I said fellas I said uh, I, could I ask some questions I said what do you all think about Jesus? Oh, Jesus was a good man, very good man. He was a prophet. Okay. Do you believe he was the son of God? No, 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 no. He was not the son of God. No, no, no. The, 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 the Bible, the, the, that, that wouldn't be right. Okay. Well, wh who is Mohammed? I, I've heard a lot about Mohammed. I'm playing the devil's advocate here. Uh, what about this Mohammed? And they said, oh, he was the late great prophet. And we get into it a little deeper, and finally they said, one of them looked at the other and said, I am getting sleepy. And uh, I truly wanted them fellows to see who Jesus is. I wanted them to understand that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That's what's wrong with our world. We've got to call men back, and there has to be a, a, what I call a, a distinct call. A clear call that Jesus is the Savior of the world and it was through Jesus that the truth was revealed to humanity. The truth is absolute, listen to this, absolutely inspired by God. Again, Robert Ingersoll said about inspiration, it depends upon who is reading the Bible, whether it's inspired or not. I've got a Greek word for that. That's called hogwash. That's ridiculous. So sad. 
that men would believe that. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is true. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, you know these passages. All scripture, not some of them, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. The word inspired or inspiration comes from a compound word, Greek word. And the Greek word is theo, God, neustos. Neustos being breath, the breath of God. All scripture is given by the breath of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be complete, thoroughly furnished into every good work. Friends, the word of God is perfect. Psalm 19, 7. Peter said it this way, that no prophecy came of a private interpretation. For a long time, I used to quote that, and I said, now listen, that's just your private interpretation. I'd use that. That's not what that passage is saying. I think there's a principle there, but what this passage is saying, that these holy men of God, when they spake, they didn't speak by their own opinion or their own uh, feelings. God used them, and God inspired them. Holy men of God spake as they were moved or born along by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God. By, and that's how you got the means of the Bible. You've got the Word of God. Why? Because the truth is absolutely inspired. I'm telling you, we got to go back and start teaching our children that because some of our children, when they leave home and they go into some of our liberal colleges, I'll tell you what, they're convinced that a bunch of us came from monkeys and that there's no such thing as an absolute God and you just get to heaven the way you want to get there. That's what Oprah Winfrey said one time. You just choose your route, and whatever you believe, that's okay. You know, we just all embrace it. We're all inclusive. My friends, truth is absolute. It is inspired of God, and I am glad that it is. I know it's right. I know it's right. When I was 17 years old, I was introduced for the very first time in my life to the church of Christ. And I'll be honest with you. I absolutely, the first time I went, I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty pitiful. The singing was terrible. They were singing slow. Preacher gets up there and he, <clears throat> he reads his notes off. And I'm not belittling, I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying from my eyes, I thought, wow. That I could introduce them to, I could help them. I really, I even made a comment about it to one of the elders that's elder now. He was my age then. When I finally learned the Bible is right on every issue, even though I wasn't raised to believe that, even though that wasn't really my feelings at the time, even though I wish it didn't say that, I know that's what it says, and I've decided I'm going to preach it, and it doesn't matter to me if they believe it or not. I'm still going to preach it. You know why? Because you're going to be judged by it. The truth is the absolute inspiration of God. It is God speaking to humanity. And by the way, this next point, you can understand it. Understand it. I know some people don't think we can understand the Bible. Ephesians 5, 17 says we can understand the Bible. 
understanding what the will of the Lord is. We are to walk by the same rule. How can we walk by the same rule if we can't understand the Bible? Why? We can understand the Bible. There's no doubt about it, friends. The Bible is right, and we can understand it. We can study. There's four principles I want to share with you tonight in studying your Bible. Four principles. Number one, when you are studying the Bible, always take a literal meaning unless it's obvious that it is figurative. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Jesus said, I am the door, John 10. Now, is Jesus a door, a literal door? Of course not. I Many was an entranceway or passageway. So you take all verses literal. If you're going to have a, a biblical exegesis of Scripture, then you're going to have to uh, understand some context. And the context, number one, you take it literal. Number two, you understand the historical meaning. You know what we do when we read the book of Revelation? We've, we've listened to the late granite planet Earth, Hal Lindsey. We've watched all the movies, and we've heard what everybody said. And so we put 21st century lens on, and we're going to the book of Revelation, and we want to make it apply to what we know today. Friends, anytime you study the Bible, you've got to have a, put, put it in the historical setting. In the book of Revelation, they're talking about the church at Rome, or the, uh, the uh, Rome, the Roman Empire, and how he was killing all, the mission was killing all of those Christians and putting them into prison. And so, when you read a book of the Bible, God told Noah in Genesis 6.14 to build an ark. He didn't tell me to build an ark. So, one of the principles in understanding the Bible alike is to understand these principles. I didn't do this for a long time. When I was on the other side, and I, I don't know a better way to say that, but when I was arguing with truth, this is what I would say. Uh, the Bible says in Acts 2.21, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says that I believe it. No, you've got to, you've got to repent. No, that verse says, Acts 2.21, any verse that contradicts another verse is taken out of its context and a misapplication. And that's what's happened a lot, even among brethren. Okay? We do it too. I preach it well at sometimes, and you know, uh, somebody in the audience say, well, you know, always saying about somebody else. I say, hey, let me give you an example of how we do it. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Taking a verse out of context. Did you know Jesus said, Take this cup and drink ye all of it. So therefore, some of my brethren say, it says singular cup. So you can only use one cup. If you're going to take that literal, in that same verse, he says, drink ye all of it. So you've got to drink the container. Somebody says, well, no, he's talking about the content. Right. That's exactly what he's talking about. That's how we can rightly divide Scripture, is to understand uh, that it's got to harmonize with other Scriptures. And number four, the fourth principle is that we need to understand grammar. We need to understand words and what they mean. Some of the songs that we sing uh, uses the word rapture. Some of our brethren will split the church if they hear that word rapture. And when you read it or when you sing it in a song, every time that I've ever read it, it's talking about happiness. It's talking about joy. And how many times have I had somebody come into my, meet, into my office and say, I'm fixing, getting ready to meet with the elders. Oh, are you? What's, what's wrong? 
Well, we're singing a song that's unscriptural. What is it? He says, well, they use the word rapture. You know there's not a rapture in the Bible. So I try to set them down, calm them down a little bit. And I said, listen, let's understand uh, exactly what that means in the song. And what it means is that we're going to be happy. We're going to be uh, singing with happiness and joy. And that's just a little bit, brethren, how that sometimes we get bent out of shape and we swallow a, a camel and strain a gnat on some of the things that we shouldn't. Actually, I never get into it. You look at my Facebook. Most of my Facebook posts is just posting gospel meeting. You'll never see me get into a political argument on Facebook. Go back five years ago, I won them all. I wonder how many souls I lost because of that. I don't want to argue about politics anymore. We've got a fellow at our, in our congregation. He says there's no way, no way that you can go to heaven unless you're Republican. We've got another guy sitting over there. He says you can't go to heaven unless you're a Democrat. And I've had both of them in my office, and I said you need to be quiet about it, and you need to get busy serving the Lord and understanding that the Bible is right and find out what God wants you to do in your life. Brethren, I'm telling you, it's splitting and splitting and splitting, and we're dividing the body of Christ on some of these things that we should not be dividing ourselves over. I preached on unity Sunday morning and how that so many people are, we, we, we condemn the religious world for causing division, denominations, and all, and sometimes we're just as bad. We don't get our way about something, we pout up, and uh, we'll, we'll throw a big fit, and we want everybody to know it. That's wrong. Truth can be understood. Truth must be obeyed. Must be absolutely obeyed. A fellow told me the other day, he said, I just don't believe there's any way that anybody can obey all the truth. Well, no, if you obeyed everything in the Bible, you'd be perfect. Only one that was perfect, they killed him. But that's a far cry from saying that what one must do to get out of sin and to be in a relationship with the Lord, that you can't do that, you can't really obey that. Not only can you obey it, you must obey it. Listen to what Peter said. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. And in verse uh, 23 says... Uh, that having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, which is the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. First Peter 1 Peter 1.25, the word of the Lord endure forever. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world, and the world is passing away. The world is passing away. But he that doeth the will of God shall endure forever. In Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will slay unto me in that day, judgment day. Have we not prophesied? Have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And he will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Ye that work iniquity. Brethren, we must obey God. We must obey all the gospel of Jesus Christ when it comes to what he wants us to do. Recognize sin in our lives. To John 6, and 45, he is drawing men. How does God draw men? 2 Thessalonians 2, 14, through the gospel of Christ, and it must be preached to the whole world. Absolute truth is still available. Sometimes men distort it, reject it. 
I was in a local, I was in a church of Christ in Montana uh, a couple of weeks ago. We were on vacation and uh, went into a church of Christ on a Wednesday night. They had a round table discussion and they, it were four of us, an elder from down in Alabama, he and his wife had been to India with us many times, my wife and we were there, and uh, the preacher, I'm so sad to even have to say this, the preacher got up, and, or he didn't get up, he's sitting there and he said, well I've got a testimony tonight, and the testimony I want to give you is that my wife's uncle that lives in Tennessee had been all been over for about 21 years, said he'd been to doctor after doctor, medicine after medicine, but said, you know, we went down there and said, I laid my hands on him and said, I healed that man. And he jumped up and he said, for the very first time in over 20 years, he was able to walk. And he said, praise Jesus. And he said, and then I went from there to her cousin that was over in the hospital and she had boils all over her body. And he said, I'd touch one boil and it'd go away. And I'd touch another boil, it'd go away. And he said, but the boils came back after I left because I forgot to drive the demon out. This is in the Lord's church. I told the church at Willette, and one guy said, well, did you get up and leave? Well, of course not. No, I didn't get up and leave, but I spent the next 40 minutes trying to teach him the truth. That first Corinthians 13, see here is that rightly dividing and understanding. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. What's the perfect? He says it's Jesus. And guess what? There were about 14 other people drank, the, drank his Kool-Aid. Brethren, we, listen to me, I don't care how much you think of a preacher, I don't care how fond you are of him, I don't care how much good he's done, he's still a mortal man. Don't put anyone above Scripture. I could not believe what I had experienced that night. Absolute truth concerning these issues. I want to leave this with you as we close. Where he says, So now, brethren, I commend you into the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Acts 20. Verse 32, we live in a chaotic world. It's been chaotic for years. It was that way in every dispensation of Bible history. But guess what? We're thankful that we're Christians. We're still right with God, even in the midst of this old world where it seems as though people don't regard God and His morals anymore. But you do, and I do. And brethren, we're going to heaven because of that. We're going to heaven because of the blood of Jesus that sacrificed for our sins and our walking as God would have us to walk. Aren't you glad to be a Christian? I'm telling you, too many times we come into our assemblies and everything is just bleak and everything is just negative. I'm here to tell you, that's some good news. And the good news is God's left us with a word that is right and it will always be right, and it's the same judge, a word that will judge you in the last day. Thank you so much uh, for your attention tonight. Uh, uh, we'll have the invitation in just a moment.